my goodness. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. Well, I, I am convinced if we ever get some decent musicians in this church, we'll really have a shot at that point. You know, my goodness. Can we just give it at all of our campuses? Can we just give it up for the band one more time? Just amazing. My goodness. And, and when I say give it up for the band, I'm saying it at all of our campuses. Folks, can we celebrate the fact that I'm not just saying hi to South Barrington. We are live streaming to all campuses for the first time. So happy Easter, Wheaton. Happy Easter, Crystal Lake. Happy Easter, North Shore. Happy Easter, South Lake. Happy Easter, Chicago. And happy Easter, Huntley. This is a great day. Ha, ha, ha. Woo. And there is something about the music on Easter. At all of our campuses, as I've gone around, it feels like all the musicians sort of take it up a notch on Easter. Am I right? Everywhere I go, it's just like, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, it's a Super Bowl of church or something. Everybody just says, let's take it up a notch. And it's amazing. In fact, you, you really can't even, it's hard to imagine an Easter celebration without music. I mean, you could do it. I mean, we could do it. You, you could come in. We could read the Easter story together. We could say a prayer and, uh, and then be done. <laughs> We'd probably get done a lot earlier. You know, we'd beat the Baptists over the pancake house. That'd be a nice thing to get done on Easter. But it just wouldn't be the same. I'm so grateful for a God that created music, which helps us to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You know what else I love at Easter is the food. Can I get an amen about that? Some of you are going to go home and you're going to have a honey baked ham. Now, if that's not a spiritual experience, I don't know what is. You're going to have a breakfast casserole. You're going to have, I've seen kids, kids. I see you kids out there. How many of you love Easter candy? You're going to enjoy that. Do y'all like the marshmallow peeps? Anybody like, Really? Really, those are not, they grow those in a laboratory. I don't think there's even real food in that. No, how many of you, your favorite Easter candy is jelly beans like Jesus taught us in the Bible to love? No. Have you ever thought about the fact that God didn't have to create all these wonderful flavors, but that somehow in his beautiful creation, it helps us to celebrate things like Easter? Or, or even like Easter colors. I, I mean, um, God could have made it so that everything was just sort of shades of gray. And we could kind of get along. But it, <laughs> decorating Easter eggs wouldn't be as fun. The Easter flowers, the spring flowers, when they explode on the scene, it just wouldn't be as inspiring, as encouraging. And all the kids dressed up in their little pastel dresses and their pastel clip-on ties on Easter Sunday. It just wouldn't be the same. You see, somehow God has decided that he wanted to create not just a functional world, but a beautiful world. So that you could go um, up north at just the right time and see this. The northern lights. Or you could travel a little bit east and witness the power of Niagara Falls. <laughs> or you could go out west and see the grandeur of the Grand Canyon. 
And do you know that in God's beautiful creation, you can even go to some beaches around the world and God has created bioluminescent algae that makes the beaches glow in the dark. Isn't that beautiful what God has created? Now, some of you are going, hey, pastor, we're here to celebrate Easter. What is all the talk about creation? Well, it's that the Easter story really begins with creation. God created a beautiful world, a perfect world, a world with beautiful design. But it didn't take long, really only two chapters, before something happened. His people rebelled against God's beautiful design. And so what that means is that on this very Easter, as we could show pictures of God's beauty in his creation, we could also show pictures that illustrate natural disasters or famine or war. On this very day that we come to celebrate, the truth is we could still show pictures of racism and poverty and loss and depression and addiction and divorce and death. You see, not everything in the Easter story is beautiful. There's a lot about this world that's broken as well. Especially this past year. Do you remember where we were for Easter last year? We had just been quarantined with a worldwide pandemic. And then a few months later, racial tensions erupt in our country. And a few months after that, a volatile election. And some days it feels like the world is just more broken than it is beautiful. But I got to be honest, even after this last year, what's most troubling to me is not all the brokenness out there, but the brokenness that I experience in here. Because another part of the Easter story is Romans 3.23 that says, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious ideals, his beautiful design. And the truth is, is that there are days, and maybe some of you are like me, that some, I look in the mirror, and man, I'm not even worried about God's standards. I'm not even meeting my own. I mean, God's standards of perfection and holiness, I'm not even meeting my own as sometimes I'm not handling money the way I should. I'm not working the way I should. I don't have the kind of self-control that I should. Sometimes things come out of my mouth that shouldn't come out of my mouth. There are some seasons in my life where the brokenness gets to the point that I can look in the mirror and go, I just don't think I'm really the man that I want to be in this moment. I'm not always the leader that I want to be. I'm not always the the, the father that I want to be. I'm not always the husband that I promised to be. And there are times when we can look around and realize that we're not only far from God's beautiful creation, God's beautiful design for our lives, but sometimes we just feel far from the creator of that beauty as well. And I think because of what we have endured in the last year, there are a lot of people who aren't just coming back to church this Easter. There are a lot of us who it feels like we're almost coming back to God. 
you know, part of that Easter story that God created a perfect world. We rebelled against his beautiful design. And then God looked and loved us and sent Jesus, his one and only son, who was both fully God and fully man. And you know, one of the things that Jesus did while he was here is he would teach us many times with stories, parables that he would use to teach us truth about God. And there's one such story in Luke 15 that Jesus tells about a young man who is no stranger to brokenness and no stranger to what it feels like to come back to the Father. The story starts out this way. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, all this inheritance, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered the wealth in wild living. In other words, he eventually ran out of money, Jesus tells the story, and uh, squandered it in wild living. He ends up having to survive by eating pig food out of pig troughs. He's so desperate that he decides, I'm going to go back to my father and see if he'll accept me. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. Now, pause right there. Because when Jesus told this story, the people, his audience, the people he was telling the story to would have understood something that probably many of us do not understand. Um, the key ze za. He said, Dave, what, what are you talking about? Well, the truth is, I didn't know. A friend of mine, pastor buddy in Phoenix, Ashley Woolridge, uh, showed me this, the Kizeza. And so I looked into it and I've been re- researching. The Kizeza is a ceremony, which literally the word means the cutting off. It's a ceremony, whereas if you have a child that disobeys, if you have a, a family member that dishonors or embarrasses you, you can take with your family, or if you have a, a village and someone has just dishonored and, and, and disgraced the village, you can literally, they would take pots like this one, and they would, they would smash the pot in front of the person, and they would basically be, be saying, we cut you off. Shame on you. And so when Jesus is telling the story about this young man who has disgraced his family, squandered the wealth in wild living, and now he's coming back home, you can almost imagine that this son is is coming to the city gates and that people would have been gathering with the the kizeza, getting ready to go. And you know what they would do is they would actually put into the pots foul-smelling things, animal dung, rotten food, And when that son, when that person came to the city gates, the people would all grab their pots with all that foul-smelling stuff. And as they tried to enter the city gates, the person would just go in front of everybody as a way to say, shame on you. We cut you off. Do you see all those jagged edges? We cut you off from relationship. Do you see all those broken pieces? We're saying you are broken to us. You have a broken life. You have broken the relationship. Your future is broken. You're worthless. You're garbage. And it breaks my heart to think that there might be some people who come back to church this Easter, maybe even coming back to God this Easter, and would think that maybe God 
has a pot with their name on it. Because Jesus paints a completely different picture of the Father. He says in verse 20, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son. And now I can almost picture the father is, is like running past people holding pots, like pulling them back, like, no, I've got to get to my son. And when he gets to his son, not to shake a wagging shameful finger or to, 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 to shake an angry clenched fish, fist. But it says, Jesus said, he had compassion on him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Jesus said he put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet as a way to say, you're not going to be a hired hand. You're going to be my son with all the full rights of the son. You're going to be restored into relationship with me. And he turns to the servants and he said, hey, kill the fattened calf. Let's have a party. And in verse 24, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. That's some Easter overtones right there. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. And what everyone else thought was broken turns into this beautiful moment of restoration. So I was doing my research for the Kizazah this pottery tradition. I, I found another pottery tradition. In our world, it comes to us from Japan, and it's called kintsugi. But what the Japanese do with kintsugi is when they have a pot that breaks, they don't just look at the pieces and say, you know what, let's just call it garbage. Let's sweep it up. It's worthless. There's no value. Let's just throw it away. No, they see possibility. They see value. And they pick up the pieces and they put the pot back together. And what's so fascinating to me is that they don't just put it together with cement or with super glue, but they fuse the pieces together with pure gold. And the value of the restored pottery is greater than the original value of the pot if that's not a picture of what Easter is if that's not a picture of what Jesus can do for us at Easter I don't know what is Jesus who gave up his seat in heaven to run to us Jesus who on Good Friday evening was accused and mocked and ridiculed, whipped and beaten. He was forced to carry a cross through the streets where he was abused and mocked and ridiculed and accused and people trying to cut him off from the community. A week ago we said, God save us, Hosanna, but now we say crucify him, crucify him, you're worthless to us. And Jesus carrying a cross, a cross, which is the, the um, most amazing uh, picture of brokenness. And that day, the cross used for torture, used for execution, and yet this 
ugly, ugly, broken cross, Jesus, because of Jesus, he is able to transform that symbol into one of the most beautiful, hope-filled symbols in our world today. We decorate our homes with it. We wrap it around our neck. And Jesus marches up the hill. And in marching up the hill, as other people would might say to us, you know, shame on you. Jesus would say, no, shame off of you. <laughs> he goes up and he takes all the sin upon himself. He takes all the accusations, all the failure, all of it, all the brokenness on himself. And he stretches out his arms in an act of love. Just like that father stretched out his arms in an act of compassion and forgiveness and restoration and love. And it's not gold that fused together broken pieces of a pot. It was Jesus' blood that can now fuse together the broken pieces of a life. Can fuse together the broken relationship between God the Father and us. Because his body was broken, our lives can be beautiful. Easter story didn't end there. He was nailed to the cross, and at any moment, don't you misunderstand, he could have come down off the cross any moment he wanted to. He could have called down a legion of angels to wipe out all of his accusers, to wipe out all those Romans and all, all of those. He could have done that at any time. He could have brought down an entire legion of angels to tend his wounds, but he didn't. He, say, he stayed there. He could have saved himself, but he stayed there to save us to the glory of the Father. It says that while he was on the cross that he didn't lose his life, he gave it up. He's the one that said, it is now finished. He's the one that said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Jesus was in control the entire time. And when he gave up his life, the Bible says that the earth shook, that darkness came over the land, that the veil that was in the temple that separated God's presence, the Holy of Holies, from the rest of his people. The veil that was 60 feet tall and four inches wide of material ripped from top to bottom. That's a miracle. Nobody could have done that. It ripped from top to bottom. And then do you know what it says? That there were dead people in the grave that actually came out of the grave when Jesus died. Oh, but the story's still not over. After Jesus died, they took down his body. They wrapped it in linen. They prepared it with spices and they put it in the grave. And his people felt abandoned. The people felt scared. They were up in an upper room and Jesus is there on Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. And as the wee hours of Sunday morning began to emerge, the world seemed more broken than it ever had before. then the stone was rolled away and Jesus rose from the dead and make no mistake that's not a fairy tale that's not fiction that's not a fable that's fact that's history that's a miracle and that's straight from God it's history Jesus rose 
from the dead. I love how Paul talks about it. Paul talks about it in Ephesians 2. He says, but God so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So now the Easter story really hinges the rest of the story on our choice. At all of our campuses, here in the room, if you've said yes to Jesus, then I would ask you, Is your choice to embrace the truth that what Paul said is true, that we are God's masterpiece created in advance to do great things, good works? And if so, if so, then we carry on the truth and the power of Easter. And if you're here today, and you've not yet said yes to Jesus, can I draw your attention right back for one more time to verse verse five. It says that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So if you're here today and you say, my faith is pretty much dead, I would say that's okay. Because we're worshiping a God. We're celebrating a God that specializes in taking dead things and making them alive again. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what? My dreams are dead. I used to dream about all kinds of things. I wanted a beautiful life. And now it just feels like broken pieces on the floor. I would say that's okay. If it feels dead to you, we're celebrating a God that has resurrection power. If you're here today and you say, you know what? My relationships feel dead. The love that I have for my spouse, it just feels dead. That's okay. Because we celebrate today a God that can bring dead things back to life. You say, I'm in a dead-end job. My career is dead. That's okay. Because we follow a God that specializes in taking dead things and bringing them back to life. The choice is yours. Will you say yes to Jesus? Will you come home to Jesus? When word of Christ's resurrection spread, there were a couple of women that found out. They brought it back to the, their followers, and those followers told others who told others and who told others, and they changed the world. And for 2,000 years, people have, on this Sunday, celebrated Easter by reading a certain scripture. And at the end of that scripture, it says, he is not here, he is risen. And for 2,000 years, when the pastor would read the words, he is risen, the congregation would answer back with a shout, he is risen indeed. And I just think, who am I to break tradition? And so I thought that I, if you're okay with it, could play the role of the pastor And you could play the role of the congregation. And let's celebrate Easter together. Let's proclaim Easter together. Will you stand?
It was on the first day of the week. Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. But they found that the stone was rolled away. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them in their fright. The women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He has risen indeed. He has risen. Come on. He has risen indeed. Once more. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes. 